Hi everyone, this is Victoria Stapleton. I'm the Director of School and Library Marketing at Little Brown Books for Young Readers, and I'm pleased to welcome you to this episode of the Little Brown School and Library Podcast. Today, I get to interview one of my oldest real friends in publishing, a man who is smart, relatively interesting, has a good line of illustration, and an excellent way with a well-put-together sentence. Have I complimented you enough? Thank you, Victoria. Yes, friends, I am here with Peter Brown. Peter is the Caldecott Honor-winning illustrator of a book that was not published by Little Brown Books for Young Readers, so we are not going to speak its name. But he's done a number of books for us, including the widely acclaimed, should have been a winner, Mr. Tiger Goes Wild, as well as the truly delightful The Curious Garden, and my absolute favorite picture book of all time, The Flight of the Dodo. It's going back. Look. An oldie but a goodie. It is still good. It's about different abilities, how we all get along together, and target pooping. It's about target pooping. It's about target pooping. And I don't know why people can't get with that. Because they should. Well, kids like the subject of bird poop, I've found, over the years. Uh, because so kids are smarter. Yes, kids are great. They are. Uh, last year, no, it was the year before already. Ooh. Yeah. Because the book is, is really that fresh and interesting, Peter came out with his first novel, The Wild Robot, which is sort of a hatchet crossed with Metropolis. Let's mm -hmm. go with that. I like that. It received multiple starred reviews and much acclaim and uh, pictures in our emails of children running wild through their classrooms with the excitement of reading this book. <laughs> yes, I did get those photos. Nice. I did. I get some of those too. I'm always flattered when I see children acting wild in response to the wild robot. You know, unleashing the energy within. <laughs> uh, soon on shelves everywhere will be the sequel, The Wild Robot escapes. Mm -hmm. So I, I understand more hijinks are <laughs> ensuing for Roz and her and her cohorts. Roz is back. Roz is back, baby. <laughs> so let's talk about Roz a bit. She is a robot. I don't think of her as an it. I think of her as a she, yeah. which I think is important. But her story, both in the first book and the second book, these have a lot to do with moral formation. Um, deciding who you are and deciding how you choose what is right and wrong and, and acting upon it. How does Roz figure that out? Hmm. How does she learn that? And how, how challenging was it for you to communicate that in the story? Well, in the first book, it's interesting because she is all alone. and She has nothing to base her decisions off of. She has to figure it all out for herself. And so... That's why she becomes a wild robot is because basically she's looking to the world around her for input and the world around her is wild. So she starts acting more like wild animals in the wilderness around her. And um, so that's kind of, you know, she's designed to learn and to make choices and and what she has to learn from is this wild environment. I thought that was really interesting how, you know, technolo technology could possibly mimic and relate to the wilderness, you know, without humans being present at all. Um, but she goes to some weird places. I mean, the first book, I love The Wild Robot, but 
it's a weird story, and she develops animal friends and enemies and a family, and whenever I talk to kids about Roz being a mom, you know, especially if they haven't read the book already, they start scratching their head because they're trying to figure out how this would ever happen. And, um, but I think I found a way for it to work. And so in the second book, in The Wild Robot Escapes, she is she still remembers all of that. She still has that, that life um, on the island to help her form her personality, you know, and to, to inform her decision-making. Um, but she has a whole new set of obstacles, you know. In the first book, she's learning to survive in the wilderness. In the second book, she's learning to survive in civilization with humans and with other robots. But she's still a wild robot, you know. She still has all that information that she learned from the, in the first story. And so it was interesting to think about how a character would navigate a civilized world with that kind of background, you know. And I read stuff like Tarzan of the Apes for inspiration because there's a perfect kind of correlation there where you've got a character who's raised in the wilderness and then is brought into like into civilization and feels more comfortable in the wilderness and you know, there's but that's a human, this is a robot. Um so there's a lot of differences between the characters, but um it was a good kind of jumping off point in my my sort of brainstorming for this book. Um, Do you think about civilization in quotation marks? Hmm. I guess. I don't know what you mean by that. Well, the animals have their own sorts of mm. arrangements, their own moralities, okay. their own ways of, of communicating and, and uh, rubbing along together, so to speak. Right. That I think Roz does perceive as wild and disorganized because she, she doesn't perceive the pattern. She's not clued into the pattern yet. Mm-hmm. But that sort of thing assumes yeah. that her civilization is the correct version. Right. You could make an argument that life on the island is its own sort of civilization. Um, when I say civilization, I guess I mean human civilization. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Roz was designed to operate in a human world, you know. So the first book was really a fish-out-of-water story. And the second book is kind of like a fish in water it doesn't want to be in story <laughs> you know like maybe a freshwater and a salt in the ocean story uh i don't know we don't have to keep trying to find we the right analogy but the water. um yeah but like i like the idea that roz is stuck with this in this sort of dilemma where here she is living the life she was always supposed to live but um she's not sure where she really belongs you know even though she looks like all these other robots and she's living alongside robots and humans there's something about a life on the island was more felt better to her. And so she feels stuck, torn between these two worlds. And um, because she has the ability to learn and make decisions and, you know, she's got a lot of tough decisions to make. I think it's interesting um, pondering my own sets of anxieties. Yes, listeners, I do have them. <laughs> uh, thinking about Roz and, and she's almost cursed a little bit with the life she thought she wanted mm-hmm. or the thought, life she thought she was designed for mm-hmm. or the role she was supposed to inhabit in the second book. That all comes together, and yet she she doesn't fit that. Right. Uh, and thinking about kids and, and kids who live up to expectations and, and do the things that their parents want them to do and do everything right, and yet it's not, it doesn't sit well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she feels a lot of pressure. I mean, we have to... She She's an unusual robot, right? Like, she... Mm-hmm. My idea in the first book is that she learns skills and learns a way of being 
that she was never meant to learn. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was almost like a happy accident how she came to be this way. And, but now she's, this is who she is. And, and now she finds herself back in civilization, human civilization. And, you know, she, she's not sure she wants to be there, even though everybody assumes that she wants to be, or, uh, you know, they don't even think robots want anything. She's kind of living this double life where she has to keep, she has to sort of walk carefully because if she lets people know too much about who she really is, then she could get into big trouble. And, um, yeah, there's a lot of landmines in this story for her. And so it's like, we're watching this character walk this really fine line, trying to just make everybody happy. And yet ultimately it's her own happiness that is sort of driving her to make these decisions. It's an interesting counterpoint to Mr. Tiger Goes Wild, yeah. isn't it? Because in yeah. that book, you know, that's also the, the tension between um, the, the desire for unfettered and unrestricted sort of freedom to just go bananas and mm -hmm. escape one's very um, tight social constraints. Mm -hmm. And that's more of a, a joyful book mm -hmm. let, let your freak flag fly a little bit yeah. there yeah and Roz is is yeah. not as joyful in that mm -mm. well she thinks fondly back to her time on the island mm -hmm. and feels even though that was not a simple existence uh it seemed joyful in its own way and now she finds herself locked into this life that she didn't choose and you know under those circumstances, who can blame her for sort of wishing she could go back to the island, you know? Um, and yeah. I don't want to give any spoilers away, but she also has to accommodate both sides. Yeah. Of that, that wish for the freedom of the island versus what? Yeah, well, you know, again, she's walking this fine line, and, and she feels a sense of responsibility to her new life as well. It's not simple. It's not like... And this is one of the things that was important to me as I dreamed up The Wild Robot Escapes was I could have put her in some sort of dystopian future where she's slaving away in like a factory or a underground in the mines or something like that where mm -hmm. it's just like, well, of course, this character is going to be totally miserable in this situation. And But to me, that, that almost felt too simple. And I wanted to explore this sort of murky territory where Roz doesn't hate her new life like mm -hmm. it's not as good as the last life as her old life but it's not terrible and so she's really torn because maybe she's needs to accept this is the way things are now and she needs to let go of the past and um i just love the idea that this artificial intelligence is grappling with these kinds of you know dilemmas that a lot of us go through you mm -hmm. know and uh and it was, it was important to me. I basically just was like, all right, we've got this robot character with this unusual mind who thinks and feels a lot like a human does. I want to throw as much complicated stuff at her as possible and see how she would react, you know? I almost thought of... The, I think of these books almost as if they're like thought experiments mm -hmm. and Roz is this real being and I can put her in a different situation and, and let's see what she does. And so I kept putting her throughout The Wild Robot Escapes in one kind of tough position after another to see what she would do and what makes sense for her to do, what's sort of a logical response for her. And um, that was a lot of fun, you know. And so, yeah, it gets into some sad territory and some scary territory, but there's a lot of joy. There's happy moments, too. And, um, yeah, it was a lot of fun trying to 
imagine how this robot would react. So let's talk a little bit about consequences because clearly th these are books that are a lot about decision making mm -hmm. and accepting change, but also accepting the change that we make. Mm -hmm. One of my uh, favorite stories from the Old Testament is the end of the Eden story where the angel um, stands at the entrance of the garden with the flaming sword and says, yeah, you're not coming back here. <laughs> and Adam and Eve have to keep going. There's no going back. Mm -hmm. There is no going back. And and I think for Roz, too, she perceives there is no going back. Yeah. Can you talk to us a little bit about some specific points in the books where she's really grappling with the there is no going back I am different there's only forward how do I adapt yeah you know so it's funny because in the on the desk in front of you here I see the wild robot escapes it's the advanced reader copy mm -hmm. which is the text the story changed a lot from the time that printed to to the finished book um, one of the things that changed is I added a, a new chapter a short chapter but a whole new chapter kind of exploring that idea where she's kind of hit rock bottom. She sort of thinks her dreams of returning to the island are just never, it's never going to happen. Mm -hmm. And I started thinking about the differences between humans and, and, and robots. And, and Roz has this computer brain. She has these memories that kind of make her feel something like misery. The, the thought that she could never return to this island is not a good thought. It's a mm -hmm. bad, it's a hurtful, painful thought. And I was like, well, she's got a computer brain. She could probably delete her thoughts you know she could probably completely forget her earlier life and if she thinks she's never going to make it back there why wouldn't she you know why not just delete the pain you know mm -hmm. um and she decides well i guess i'm not i'm just going to explore this subject with you now but she decides not to and i'm and i think um she realizes that there's value in memories and she there's she didn't you know it's bad enough that she can't that she thinks she can't revisit this place and these characters that she loves um but the thought of forgetting them entirely seems even worse you know yeah and um i don't know there's something really there's a very poignant chapter one that i was really happy with it's very short it's it's but i could i could in a couple of paragraphs capture that that weird dilemma that like, what would a human do if we had the ability to del delete our bad memories? I think a lot of you might do it, you know, it'd be hard to not do it. Hopefully we'd have the wisdom to realize that our personalities are shaped not just by the good memories, but by the bad memories okay. too. That's who we are as basically a collection, I think of memories. And I think Roz in her own way comes to that conclusion as well and decides it's better to remember, you know, than to forget. So that was, that was an important, I think, little detail that I'm glad I included yeah. in the finished book. And there's all sorts of ripples and, and, and smaller versions of consequences that maybe she doesn't see or doesn't yeah. appreciate how she's acted upon other people that come back and make up the whole fabric mm. of her being. She gets pretty in, 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 enmeshed in this new life, and um, she's aware of the consequences, you know, and she knows that she's needed by good people. And she doesn't want to let them down either. And she's, I think she's constantly trying to balance consequences in a way, you know. Um, but there comes a point when she puts her own needs above those of some of the other characters. And that's an interesting moment, you know. And um, ultimately, I think it's the one we want. You know, we want, we want Roz to sort of reach her full potential and um, as a character. 
mm-hmm. I felt like I'm trying to tiptoe around subjects because I don't want to spoil stuff for the book. No. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I really wanted her to, um, I wanted her to experience more than just uh, life as, uh, as a, doing manual labor, you know. Well, and I think also what you built into the character, the logic of the character you know, a machine mind, yes, but the logic of, for mm-hmm. lack of a better term, that software, yeah, I think probably prevents her from, from erasing it. Yeah, yeah, she's very logical, and that was one of the challenges with this character. Is even if I don't explain everything to the reader, I have to know exactly why she does everything mm-hmm. that she does. In my own mind, I feel like if I can't explain it, then I don't know why she's. Then I'm, I'm not fully staying true to the character, and um, and she's logical, and she does things that seem illogical. Sometimes, mm-hmm. but I think she, in those moments, she might be trying to manipulate a situation. She might be trying to win somebody over, not as not in a negative way either. Like, you know, but she knows that um, that she's got to kind of. We all do this. We all behave different ways in different scenarios, and she does that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was that was fun. It was fun to figure, think think logically. Why would she do stuff that to the outside viewer might not make sense? But, you know, I know why she does a lot everything. Well, now I'm going to throw you for a, lo- a little <clears throat> bit of a loop here. Okay. So you've made the choice to go into novel writing mm-hmm. after a very successful career writing and illustrating picture books. Yeah. What do you think the consequences have been for you as a storyteller? How do you, th- how has this process changed you as a storyteller? Hmm. It isn't to say that you'll always write novels from now on or that you'll only write picture books and right. illustrate picture books from now on, but has your thinking about storytelling itself been changed by this process? Yeah, well, you know, picture books are really hard to make, mm-hmm. but I've been doing it for a, a long time, and it was sort of in my comfort zone. You know, making a picture book, I had a kind of a process that usually turned out... a pretty good result and and I and when I started making this novel I was like so out of my comfort zone I was reaching for things to make it more comfortable so some of the techniques that I used to make a picture book like like story mapping is one um, I I clung to that desperately when I was working on the wild robot books because it was sort of familiar territory but once I got to the next phase of the process and I had the big plot points figured out I had the outline figured out then I was really it was really scary Mm-hmm. Um, and stressful, and I put a lot of pressure on myself. And you know, the con- the the literal consequences of starting to write these novels was, I you know, I would lose sleep. I would like, um, I'd get I'd like I had the stress sweats. You know, mm-hmm. I had a lot of self doubt, and it was pretty agonizing at times. And I put myself through that once, and then I was like man, I have to do this again because I had to finish or at least continue Roz's story and because um, the first book isn't the end, you know, like you were left, most people finish the book and are wondering what happens next, which is great. And I was like, I, ha- I mean, I have, to, I have to keep writing. <laughs> and, oh. and it's painful. Now, you'd, I, you'd think it would get easier over time and I guess mm-hmm. maybe it will, but the second book, I think, might have been harder to write than the first book. Oh, no, I I don't doubt that at all. Yeah. I don't doubt that at all. I mean, 
So I don't know if these are the kinds of consequences you were talking about, but there were real life consequences for these decisions well, and for me. But more than that for you, I don't know where you are in thinking about your next project. I mean, this is just coming in for landing and you mm -hmm. may not even be thinking about your next project and that's yeah. totally fine. But yeah. I'm wondering, I know that this book came out of um, other projects that you were working on. Mm -hmm. And I remember um, seeing your presentation on which book was it? Uh, and then I can't remember which one it was. Oh, I'm terribly sorry because then I saw Mr. Tiger peep out of it. Oh, yeah. Of your presentation. Oh, okay. You were talking about the book at the time. And then right, all right, of a sudden right, right. he yeah. popped out. Mm -hmm. And I know there's some link of your preoccupations or, yeah. or your ideas that you're working from one book to the next. So right. are there things in your mind left over, echoes left over hmm. from these stories that you're starting to chew on for new projects? And yeah, well, I'll, I'll say this about writing novels is once you sort of open those floodgates, mm -hmm. then there's no going back. Okay. And it sort of feels like um, I'll, I'll, I'll keep making picture books. But now that I know that I am physically capable of writing a novel, mm -hmm. that's an option forever, yeah. right? So I'll have ideas that I might have tossed away five years ago because they weren't quite right for a picture book. Mm -hmm. Now, that same idea... I might hold on to because it's right for a middle grade novel. And so it's kind of cool to feel like more of my crazy ideas are fair game, you know, yeah. than they used to be. It used to be that if I couldn't find a way to fit an idea into a picture book format, then it was useless to me. And now there's even like the world just opened up even more. And it's exciting because I do have ideas for more chapter books and more and things that, again, I think explore really f weird moral and ethical territory and, um, and it's, I don't know, it's exciting. I'm excited to feel like I now this is another thing that I can do. Well, the response to The Wild Robot among our kid readers has been phenomenal. And I know when we sent out the arcs of the new book, mm. The Wild Robot Escapes to our faculty lounge groups, um, people straight up lost their minds. Cool. <laughs> I love that. I mean, there's just like uh, gifts of jazz hands. Yeah, uh, good. and jumping around and all of that thing. I do know that you make a lot of school visits during the year. Probably not as many as you used to, but still a fair number yeah. of school visits during the year. And mm -hmm. kids love you. You have a good rapport <laughs> with your readers, your audience. Um, what have you learned from your readers looking at the the reception of, of your books? How your stories land with your audience? What have you learned from them? Hmm. Well. I, I love visiting schools and libraries and t getting to talk directly to kids. You know, they're, they're such an enthusiastic audience and they take things seriously, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I think I've learned with these books that, um, you can, you can really go to some strange places and kids will be right there with you. You know, um, there are not as many walls up. I think, uh, uh, adult audiences, get set in their ways and they want to read certain kinds of things. And I don't think kids really have that kind of developed those sort of tastes yet. And so mm -hmm. they're more open to whatever you want to share with them, which is exciting. You know, I wrote these, these wild robot books kind of with in mind of that. I wanted to make robot books for people who don't like robot books. Um, Cause I think a lot of people are not interested in science fiction or they're not interested in robots or whatever, but that's not really true with kids, you know? And so I think, one of the one of the great th lessons you learn when you start writing for kids and talking directly to them is that um, 
if you really love the story, if you really try to stay true to the story and the characters in your story and, and focus kind of like on the craft of it and just write a really good story, they don't really care what it's about because you'll pull them in and they'll, they'll get emotionally involved in this story without even wanting, without even meaning it or knowing it's happening. Um, and it's pretty liberating as an author, you know. I mean, I'm trying to make kids care about a robot and I pull all kinds of strings to make that happen. But it worked. You know, and ultimately we're talking about a machine. And now this machine, Roz, is very lifelike. And, um, but it was so cool to see, like, kids really connecting with her. Uh, and suddenly I feel like, well, if I can make kids emotionally connect to this robot, then I can probably, you know, make them connect to other surprising things. And that's that's what I want to do now is like mm -hmm. push that because it's sort of developing the sense of empathy in kids, you know, the sense that they can care about and understand something different from themselves is I feel like more important now than ever. And, oh, yeah. and so I feel like, well, here's one way to do it. And this is my way of dealing with those issues. And I'm going to keep trying to kind of push, push the envelope as you might say, and, and see what other, what surprising ways, what other surprising characters can I make people care? All right, I'm going to put you on the spot again. Okay. And there's no wrong answer. All right. <laughs> I suspect I know what, how you're going to answer this. Um, do you have a measure of satisfaction with the work that you've done so far? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, I'm a my own worst critic, and I joke, kids all ask me, which of my books is my favorite? And I joke, I hate all my books equally. <laughs> Some more than others. <laughs> yeah, but it's sort of, I mean, I, I do have a love-hate relationship with my work, but satisfaction is certainly part of it. I mean, there's nothing quite like crying over your own words. It's such a funny experience, and that happened repeatedly when I've been working on these wild robot books because they end up being emotional stories. And when you're and like alone, it's late at night and you're slaving over this chapter and you just can't quite get it right. But then everything clicks and like it feels like this is something other people are going to be able to connect to, mm -hmm. too. And I'm feeling emotional and maybe I shed a tear. It's like, wow, that's seriously satisfying, you know. And then to get the actual positive feedback from real readers to say, wow, that night that I was alone writing that chapter and I got emotional that made other people emotional too. It really did work. Like it wasn't just in my head. It wasn't just wishful thinking that this scene would connect with readers. It actually did. And I mean, what more can you ask for as a writer? You know. So there's a lot of satisfaction involved. I, I'll continue to nitpick my stories and wish I could change books, older books of mine. But um, but I'll also just keep making more books because it's so satisfying. Well, I think on that note, uh, we'll end the podcast episode. Thanks for having me. Uh, gentle listeners through the waves, this has been Victoria Stapleton, Director of School and Library Marketing at Little Brown Books for Young Readers. With me has been author extraordinaire and overall good egg, Peter Brown. His newest book is The Wild Robot Escapes, a classic in the making that should be on your TBR pile right now. We'll see you next time. Music